0: Two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.
3: From Pod World Headquarters, this is the Carolina Insider
1: from Learfield. We're back. Time for another edition of the Carolina Insider. Jones and Adam here with you Man, we are fired up, excited to be here. I'm just going to you, Adam's running hot, <laughs> but I know uh, I know one thing that'll cool you down, Adam. Weekend's on the way because today is Friday. It's fr- Adam, what's up?
4: Rebecca Black been running hot since what? Like,
1: 0-2 oh, or something? Been running this game since the aughts. <laughs> <laughs>
4: it's one week until game day.
1: It is. Almost a week away. Did one... you know
4: this is the second earliest the Tar
1: Heels have ever opened? So the rumors told me. August 27th, one week from tomorrow, Carolina, Florida, A&M, In Chapel Hill, week zero game. And right on the cusp of the 2022 football season getting underway. Adam and I are going to chat a little bit. Of course, another yuck. Another injury that the Tar Heels uh, unfortunately sustained. We'll talk about the injury to British Brooks and more. Get you ready for game week next week. You will... We're back in the rhythm of the video pod a little bit we didn't have the full three days this week but we did have an interview with Bubba Cunningham it was like a preseason scrimmage yeah that's right just get us warmed up a little bit and it's always good to hear from Bubba I I feel like Bubba like any we never get the chance to sit down and be like hey Bubba what's going on there's always like five alarm fires that we're uh, talking about and so we talked Adam and I spoke with Bubba earlier this week hope you saw the video in the middle of the week if not though great news We're going to have the audio of that interview on today's show. But of course, per usual, we're not going to just have that because maybe you've already seen it. So we're going to give you something fresh and new as well. And Adam, this is a little different interview than what we traditionally do. Vice Chancellor for Development at Carolina, soon to actually leave that position, but uh, David Ruth... Joins us to talk about the campaign for Carolina, which was a four and a half billion dollar campaign that UNC has been in the process of going through over the last what decade or so. Maybe not quite that long. Um, But we talked to David about that campaign, which they've already met their number and are trying to exceed by the end of the calendar year. Well, they are going to exceed it. They're just continuing to add. So we talked to David about that, about how athletics fits in the fundraising arm of Carolina and just some different things as well. Adam, again, maybe a little different interview than what we normally do, but I got to tell you, an interview where I learned stuff about stuff I don't know, which is unusual because normally I know everything about everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and just a a fun person to talk to. If you don't like David Ruth after that, you just get out. He may... and Ken Mac may totally epitomize hashtag So Classy.
4: Yeah, I'd put Larry Gallo in there.
1: Yeah, well, this list is going to get long, Adam, if you want to start going tit for tat on oh, no, So Classy. I, I think
4: it's a very short list, actually. The, the people who actually fall into this category, it's not a long list, uh, but I would put David Ruth in that category. One of those people who I'm guessing you've probably seen around, and he even mentioned it, his seats at the Smith Center. You might have seen him at the Smith Center. And to actually hear what he does and how he does it. Yeah. I, I thought was really interesting because I have no concept of how that gets done. So
1: those interviews coming up, Adam has a list. Adam, I realized that we never resolved, at least on the air, the potty discussion. No, we did not. We have not. So uh, real, let's just do it right now. Do, okay. do we have an update on what's going on with the potty? The, the physical trophy, if you weren't with us. It's been a travesty. The Golden Goose, the, the most iconic award in podcasting, the Golden Goose, the potty, has been discontinued. Like, not the spirit of the potties, right. nor the actual episode, which, by the way, can you believe that Adam forgot to edit out some of those curse words in the Tom <laughs> Colicchio interview?
4: I was so gleeful when I heard them. Yeah. I thought, we must leave these in. These talk in my language. I
1: was just embarrassed to be a part of this, Adam, when I heard that you had forgotten to do that. <laughs>
4: Who would ever not edit something out of a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Look, Look. What
1: kind of show is this? Word for word, anything that is said on any podcast in the world immediately has to go to air. Yeah. No, no editorial thoughts should be put into it. No we digress. So the most iconic trophy in all of podcasting, the golden goose of the potties has been discontinued. I I said it when we told you the story originally, Adam sent me the text telling me this and it ruined my night. Like I was absolutely blown away. So we've, been searching for answers and by we i mean mostly adam has been searching for answers we got some great ideas from people adam where do we stand
4: okay well for one thing i in my opinion i believe that the golden goose statue is sort of like a horcrux and i think they've been buried at points around the globe and it might be that we have to go on a quest to find them but unfortunately the season's about to start so
1: we don't have time for a quest can you imagine us going From, like, following, like, national treasure-like clues from point to point and finding, like, trying to find – and one of them's, like, hidden behind an Eric Montross sticker in (laughs) Portland, Maine. The clues, Jones, point to the sixth
4: floor at Cameron (laughs) Indoor Stadium.
1: There's no way we're getting in there.
4: (laughs) Well, what's number two on the list? (laughs) So, I still have hopes that maybe, like, next summer we'll go on a great quest and uncover some of these, but pending that outcome – And I have to tell you, I'm a little concerned that we haven't heard from Hunter Oakley. I feel like this might have been such devastating news to him that he is just not coherent anymore. So I'm worried about that. We've had several suggestions that we should just 3D print the potty. Look, I got to tell you something. I don't know how to do that.
1: Let's just 3D print a printer that we can then 3D print. (laughs) All these potties with.
4: I, I know that the belief is that once we have someone on who speaks on a topic, we become one of the foremost experts in the world on that topic. It doesn't always... Like, for example, I'm not at home whipping up five-course meals right now.
1: Right. Just because we talked to Tom Colicchio. I mean, I'm not... Wheel- the potty mouse chef. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not wheeling and dealing in the crypto world right now.
4: <laughs> Even though Kane Ma tried to help us. Yeah. And so did Jeb Terry. Right. So, I understand that there is a thing called 3D printing. If someone would like to 3D print the potty, I'll send you the information you need to put on there.
1: just feels like that's a very specific type of 3D printer that we need. A goose printer. (laughs) Right. Yeah. If anyone has a goose printer, we're in. Okay. Adam, you're beating around the bush. Where are we on the potties? Well, I, I,
4: that's a that's a real request. If someone wants yeah. to three D print the potties, we're all in. Yeah. Let us know what you need from us, other than a large amount of money, because that probably, well, let's go ahead and say that's not
1: happening. Right.
4: But if you want our appreciation, that's great. I think the leader in the clubhouse right now. Someone sent the trophy. It's like a trophy of someone on Mount Olympus or something, and they're holding the wreath yeah. above their head.
1: And you and, can put a picture. And you can put the- a picture
4: in there. I, I could see doing that, and the picture is
1: the original, Mister Goosehonkers. Yeah. Oh, like the headshot oh. of Mister Goosehonkers, yeah, or the be, original- or
4: it could be a picture of Potty O G.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I'm. What I've learned is that you got to be very careful with the intellectual property of <laughs> things around here. <laughs> so Mister Goosehonkers' headshot may be protected.
4: Well, the potty. Let's go ahead and make this clear right now. Is triple TM. To the pod Don't anybody else try to do the potty So I think here's what we're going to do We're going to let this topic Run until next week And if someone wants to volunteer to 3D Print the potty Let us know and if not we're going to pursue This other option but I just want to let you know If we pursue this other option I don't know If Hunter Oakley is going to be able to wear it around his neck to the game
1: Right Right.
4: And most
1: importantly Maybe Hunter Oakley's could just be A uh, pendant I thought about that. Like his special, because I think he'd wear it if we asked him to. No doubt he would wear it. Most importantly, the thing
4: I'm most concerned about that option, it sounds like more work for us.
1: Adam doesn't like to work, guys.
4: (laughs) Jones is already increasing us to two pods a week starting next week.
1: By the way, what a video that Miles put out on social media.
4: That was incredible. I didn't even know that was
1: coming. No, I didn't either. I didn't either.
4: That's the kind of guy Miles is. He's working when you're sleeping.
1: Yeah. Miles on the grind at all times. So that's settled. TBD. Yeah, TBD. You've got a week. Yeah.
4: If you're someone who can 3D print a potty, the bat signal is up.
1: Let us know. We're brought to you by... Pinehurst. (laughs) There's more to the Pinehurst Resort. Then Donald Ross's masterpiece Pinehurst number 2. There's Gil Hanse's stunning redesign of number 4. You can grab a couple wedges, take a loop around the cradle, the fun short course. Unwind at the Pinehurst Brewing Company for craft beers, classic North Carolina barbecue. It's all just down the hill from the fully renovated Manor Inn. There's never been a better time at the cradle of American golf than right this moment. Pinehurst.com. Plan your visit. Adam, uh, last Saturday, I was in Keenan Stadium because we had a pep rally as part. What? Who's we? The the Tar Heel community, Adam. Thanks for showing up. I thought you meant the pod had a pep rally. (laughs) Yeah, Miles and I were there going like. P-O-D, P-O-D.
4: That's why you had the P painted on your chest, and Miles had the O, and I was supposed to be the D, but I didn't show, so y'all just went to the pep rally with P-O on your chest.
1: Adam was supposed to be the D, and he didn't show up. (laughs) Um, So, we- uh, You're down with P-O-D, yeah, you know me. This might be the last (laughs) talk. Yeah. if so, I know I'm where I'm going to work. <laughs> week of welcome pep rally uh about two thousand students were there. It's great showing um, and so I mean I didn't do much. all I do was kind of pass the microphone to different. That's normally my role, right um so band cheerleaders, dance team teaching them uh, teaching the uh first year students or I think transfers and um you know some new uh, cheers to follow at the football game, just stuff like that. They ran the entrance video, I think they had the fourth quarter video, and then the football team practiced. And so they got to see some of the practice as well. It really was a uh, fun event, good job. A lot of kids showed up on their first Saturday on campus. So cool to have those folks there and a lot of excitement for the upcoming season. Um, unfortunately, Adam, that day was spoiled a bit because during that practice, uh, British Brooks – unfortunately lower body injury and out for the year and I mean there's a couple different angles on this I think first and foremost it just absolutely stinks for British Brooks I mean we, we know his story British been a guest here on the show before where I mean just a guy who we all know this by now he was walk-on wasn't 100% sure he was gonna play football or not If he, if he could even play football at this level then made his way on a special teams, came special teams captain, now has made an impact at running back, particularly in the NC State game and the South Carolina games at the end of last season, and was scheduled to be the number one running back coming into the year. So I think, first and foremost, just a bummer for the individual British Brooks. From the team perspective, I think the biggest loss here is you have somebody who started on every special team, And you have a terrific leader, one of the really established leaders of the team. I say that not because British Brooks was not a valuable running back. I do believe he would have been the starter in game one, just had been the plan. Um, I do think that is a deep room for Carolina. Between DJ Jones, Elijah Green, Caleb Hood, and the two freshmen, George Petaway and Amarian Hampton, you have some talent there. There's no question of varying levels of experience, even between the two freshmen when you've got Petaway who came in January and Amari Hampton, who's been here for like six weeks or whatever it is. So the, the numbers, the talent, you're okay. But you're losing a guy who knew the playbook inside and out, knew the role of what he was being asked to do inside and out, and somebody who was super well-respected on the team. Mac Brown met with the media after practice one day earlier this week, I believe it was Tuesday, and said that uh, British Brooks does have a year of eligibility remaining, whether or not he chooses to take that. The team and British just didn't feel like this moment was the right moment to discuss that, which makes sense. But he is going to help, uh, as a student coach essentially, um, help on special teams and in the running back room, um, which I think also speaks to British Brooks and just how much he likes – or loves Carolina, and loves the game, Um, so it's great that he's still going to be around. But, Adam, there's no way to put a rose on it. I mean, you've lost two starters um, in this preseason, both on offense. Again, from the straight depth and talent perspective, I think Carolina will be okay at the running back spot, but you've still lost two guys that you were expecting to play uh, a lot of snaps, especially early in the year. And
4: sooner or later, that... Catches up with you. I mean, it may not be the guy who comes in for British Brooks who might do a great job. It might be the guy who backs up the guy who comes in for British Brooks. If, if that makes any sense, your, your number three is now your number two. Maybe he wasn't quite ready to be a number two. Maybe the two was ready to be a one. Um, so at some point, it hurts you with depth. As Joan said, I think it hurts you with just the simple task of gaining rushing yards. But I think Carolina feels like they've got some players who can do that. But where it also hurts you, especially coming off a year where maybe team chemistry in the locker room wasn't the greatest team strength on the roster, it hurts you in that area. And I think it's less clear in that area who are the individuals who are going to step up and, and be in that type of role who you never hear anyone say anything bad about British Brooks ever. Right. And. So you're going to have to – I think the, the possible running back options have been identified. The possible leadership options I think will probably need to emerge over the next week or two.
1: I do think it's hard – the special teams aspect of it is a big deal too. I mean, he's started on all four of the – the that's kickoff return, kickoff cover, punt return, punt cover. Um, that's a big deal to to have somebody who is out there for – four critical areas, and not just out there, but has done it for several years and done it at a high level. Again, there's, there are people available, of course, and, and there's somebody who I'm sure will be eager to take, to, to take this opportunity and, and will be good at it. But you've lost somebody who you knew was good at it right now. And so I, I do think that's a, a part of it as well.
4: Well, think of how many times you hear somebody say, well, we had to put that freshman out there on the punt team, and he blew right. an assignment, but, and that's what led to that. That, oh, happened. that
1: happened at Florida State. Two years ago, right. when Carolina had a young player that just made a mistake, and that's why the punt got blocked early in the game, which was a big play. Right. It just happens. Um, so, unfortunately, that probably the biggest news um, over the last week or so of uh, for Carolina football was, was that. Um, yeah, Coach Brown, again, meeting with the media on Tuesday, talked a lot about things that I think we have talked about some, but just the amount of youth on the team, the amount that there are a lot of questions. But these are, these are not bad questions to have, Adam. I think it's just some of the questions that come with the youth of the team. And I thought, I knew as soon as he said it, it was going to be the, the headline of what everybody took from what he said for half an hour after the, the practice on Tuesday which was, I've never, and I'm quoting Mac Brown, maybe word for word or close, I've never gone into a season with this many questions before. Well, of course, that's going to be the sentence that everybody takes out of it. But I think what the nuance of his statement was then backed up by the fact that he said, it's not that we don't have options. It's not that there aren't talented guys. It's the questions are which one of these talented guys is going to be the one that steps up or fills the role. And we used the quarterback scenario, I think, on the last episode, which I think is a good a good way to sum up this really team-wide, but specifically the quarterback. The 2017, you had some options, but you weren't really sure if any of the options were viable options. This year, you've got some options at a lot of different spots, and they are viable options. It just becomes which one is the one that helps you the most.
4: You have to remember that there's nothing football coaches hate more than uncertainty. They want to know the exact details of everything that's going to occur, what time it's going to happen, how long it's going to last, what the weather's going to be, who's going to be there. What are they going to be wearing? And you don't, have that with this team, and so I think it's natural that Mac Brown, one of the most successful active college coaches in all of college football, would be concerned about the amount of things he doesn't know. But that doesn't mean that the answers might not be positive. It just means that he doesn't know, which in his mind is not a positive today. But he might be sitting here a month from now going, Whew, What we've found some gems out there. Can't wait for Notre Dame. We're sitting here three and zero. This is going to be awesome." But we don't know that right now, and and those are some questions that'll have to be answered next Saturday and beyond.
1: Second, early, as we referenced, second earliest start for Carolina. It really does feel like it's kind of speeding towards Saturday um, as the Tariels host Florida A and M, and we'll talk more about Florida A and M next week on our preview of the game, uh, which, by the way, going to be brought to you by our friends at Crumley Roberts. Um, but I will say this: Florida A and M, and I mentioned this. Last show, a solid team at the FCS level. Nine wins last year. Really good defense. Now, they only played one FBS team last year, and it was South Florida who wasn't very good, and they lost. But this is a team that's got a lot of history and exci- or, uh, pedigree. And you know who their head coach is, Adam? No. Willie Simmons is their head coach. I see you looking back into your memory banks. Who played at Clemson? Former Clemson quarterback. You remember in 2000, Woody Dantzler was the quarterback at Clemson and was a Heisman candidate. Yep. Clemson came to Chapel Hill. They were 7-0 that, and 5-0 and in conference play break, number three in the country. Carolina led 17 nothing, and Dantzler got hurt. Willie Simmons was the backup, came in through four touchdowns, and Clemson came back and won the game. I knew when I saw his name for the first time, I said, wait a second. And then I saw he went to Clemson. I was like, oh, gosh, I, I bet that's that guy. And sure enough.
4: The fact that he is a head coach
1: <laughs> I is troubling. To yeah, my the fact age. that I feel like he just graduated like three years ago.
4: Yeah. Next thing you're going to tell me is that Darian Durant isn't 25.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of a a pass connection to the Tariels there with uh with Florida A and M coming to town, then Appalachian State, then Georgia State. So we'll see two road trips. Road trips, yeah. The rare double group of five road trips you know who else has got the double group of five road trips this year hmm. virginia tech really they're, they're going at, to uh,
4: old dominion odu and i think liberty their uh their ad just did an interview in which he acknowledged that it was not the ideal situation but that and but that they had known this was coming for several years and it's just the way it is you got to go do it
1: the only six home games this year for the Tariels. because uh because of these two trips so uh we're closing in. Eight o'clock, Saturday night, next Saturday, week from tomorrow, Carolina in Florida AM. Couple of reminders. Mac Brown Live coming up on Monday. We'll be back at Top of the Hill, 7 o'clock. We're live there at Topo on the Tariel Sports Network. Live there for you to come join us. It will be put out on the podcast feed uh, either later that night or the next morning. So you will have it available. And we'll, of course, be on the air at seven o'clock network wide. I don't think and I want to say there's about 99% sure that we are, affiliate-wise, we have not changed at all from last year to this year. I think we are the exact same. Uh, I'll try to confirm that before next week, but I think that is right. So, And of course, you can stream. Uh, this is not the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. We can stream our broadcast so you can get that uh, through the Varsity Network app. Remember, that was introduced last year. Uh, I think people got used to using that. Plus, you can use the Go Heels app, which I will say is much easier to use than it used to be uh, for these type of things. And so, if you can't pick us up on a radio station, which uh, we encourage you to listen to our great partners out there in affiliate land, but you can uh, stream as well if that is a better option for you. So, we are looking forward to coming your way. Our crew is, uh, Brian Simmons is back. Brian will be with us as our analyst. Lee Pace, uh, in his 700th year covering Carolina football. No, I'm just joking. Uh, Lee will be down on the sideline, of course. Um, Dave Nathan handling our pregame halftime postgame this year. Uh, Ben Alexander, our network engineer. New spotter this year, Jody Zorgner, retired Matt Krauss, who does our women's basketball. Matt's going to be in there with me for home games, helping with uh, spotting duties and stat work. And, Adam, there's going to be – I am almost 100% confident – not for the floor, for two, for at least two games this year, we're going to have a, uh, another person in the booth with us. Haven't, haven't got all the X's or the T's crossed and the I's dotted just yet, but I feel pretty confident it's going to happen for two games that we're going to have somebody else in the booth uh, with us this year that I think people will enjoy for just a couple games joining the existing, yes joining every yes yeah, so, not, not replacing jones or brian no no we're both uh we're both going to be there uh but we'll we'll be adding some some even stronger power to the broadcast that's the plan so i hope that works that person could even be a former podcast maybe could be could be adam could be somebody else
4: when we uh when we talked to bubba cunningham earlier this could week, be yeah, it could be
1: bubba You it could be anybody you'd
4: be great at it he said that he was excited about getting a table at Top of the Hill for the Mac Brown show. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. It's been a while.
1: Has been a while. I actually spoke to the good folks at Top of the Hill earlier uh this week and have a couple audio challenges there because of some construction and stuff that's happening, but they're getting they're they're great. They're getting it worked out. And they said uh they've they've already been hearing from people for for months about the excitement of getting their tables ready and uh, we're fired up
4: i we talked about this recently and they're not paying me for this this is unsolicited i went there for dinner recently and it was very good i was very pleasantly surprised everything everyone in our group got which was all different was all very good i would go again perhaps on monday night if i could get a table if bubba didn't get the last one
1: sorry yeah you're not no They'd call, and they'd be like, because uh, they clear every table through me. Of right. Table like, 12. Uh, uh, Mr. Angel, there's uh, Mr. Lucas that would like a table. I'd be like, is that Adam Lucas? Uh, yes, it appears. So, like, no. <laughs> Make sure we've got the bouncers out front that do yeah. not allow him to enter.
4: Right. Well, there's a bit of a sordid history there on some late Saturday nights. <laughs>
1: yeah. They you know, still haven't you know forgotten. Adam is.
4: Yeah. When you do a few hurricanes <laughs> and then you head up to Topo, things go poorly.
1: <laughs> okay. Adam, anything else on the football side before we get to our interviews here? No. Okay, we're going to start with the audio from our video pod interview with Bubba Cunningham earlier this week. If you've already seen and heard that discussion, you can fast forward right on through to our chat with uh, Vice Chancellor David Ruth. If uh, you haven't heard it, really encourage you to stick around though and listen to Bubba. We talk NIL, we talk realignment, talk just, uh, we talk football, we talk the upcoming fall season. So. Just a, a lot of things to uh, on Bubba's plate that we talk about, and always relevant and interesting information. Okay, let's get to that. Come back. We have our champions watch. We have our Adams list, and a lot more. Oh, and we have a how can you ju- a, a resolved how can you justify that?
4: Yeah, the best kind.
1: Yeah, brought to you by our friends at Crumley Robert. Someone has already stood up. Like Crumley Roberts, they stand up for you. Someone has already stood up and fixed this. How can you justify that? What a moment. All that, though, after our interviews here on the Carolina Insight.
4: Feels like just a couple months ago that we were here yeah. talking about yet another top 10 Director's Cup finish, yet another best in the ACC Director's Cup finish, now it's time to do it all again, another year of Tar Heel Athletics, and Bubba Cunningham's here with us. Tar Heel Athletic Director, Bubba, what are, you, what are you excited about
3: here in mid-August of 2022? Oh, I'm so excited just to have the students back. You know, I was at the convocation on Sunday night that uh, Kevin Guskowitz uh, hosted, Katie Hoag spoke, and it was absolutely tremendous. So we, it was the first time we've had it in a long time back in the Smith Center. And so the entire lower side on one side of the arena was filled and then up in the upper deck. And so it was so much fun to have them back. And I think we're going to be really good this fall. I think between our soccer programs, volleyball program, field hockey, we have a, a lot of chances to win. And I tell you what, winning never gets old. <laughs> it is a lot of fun.
1: To that point, it, it felt like it, it's been such a challenging couple of years for everybody <clears throat> due to COVID. It felt like... Basketball's run and, and baseball's run and the and the championship for women's lacrosse. It just felt like it kind of brought every batch everybody back to, to campus and kind of fell back in love with, with Carolina. Did you feel that way?
3: A hundred percent. Man, you kind of get goosebumps thinking <laughs> about it. I mean, that last couple of months of the academic year was fantastic. You mentioned um, a couple of our sports, also golf yeah. had a great finish to the season as well. And there's just an enthusiasm and a pride and to have people back. I do. It's been three years. So we had our all staff meeting just the other day and we were back in Loudermilk doing it. Last time we were outside in the Pope box. And so having everyone back, this sense of community, things that we talked about before, with COVID, we all went in our separate direction. Now everybody's back, and I cannot wait to get everybody back for all of our games because, as I said, we're going to have really good teams this fall, and to get the fans back is something I think is going to be special for our teams.
4: And the fans will be back in less than two weeks for Carolina football, a week zero game this year, Tar Heels at Keenan Stadium early. What are you excited about, about getting a, a real home crowd back at Keenan again?
3: And, and what kind of feeling are you getting from football this fall? It's great. You know, we're, we're, we are early. We're in week zero. But we're also back on campus and starting class August 15th. So it's actually good that we have an early game because I, and this may be the earliest we've ever started. I don't know. But having everybody back, and I was just talking to the football staff yesterday. The thing I love about college athletics are all the students being back. You hear the whistles of football. You hear the band practicing. They lit up the tower, the bell tower the other night. Those are the things that are so exciting. We've got the Marching 100 coming with FAMU as well. So it's going to be a great day. We're doing a lot of things with the HBCU and a lot of their cultural events around this weekend. And I think it's going to be a special weekend. So I'm sure hoping a lot of people can be here for the weekend, enjoy it, and then come to the game.
1: Of course, August 27th, 8 o'clock, and at Keenan Stadium is the second earliest kick date for Carolina football, only in 2001, Carolina started at Oklahoma on August 25th, the only time that the Tar Heels have started earlier than this in a season. Uh, Why did so, I waste yeah, time? Yeah, sorry, say, Bubba,
3: no big deal. What, yeah, I know you know when the games were. When did the classes start?
1: <laughs> you got me on that one. You got me on that one. Um, Bubba, this is year two now for NIL. We're, we're almost a, exactly a year from when NIL began last summer. How has it changed your world and college athletics world over this last 13 months or so?
3: Well, it really has changed a lot for our coaches, for our students, and just like everything else. When you get into something new, there's a lot of great things about it. And many of our student athletes have had this opportunity to create NIL opportunities for themselves. They've gone out and found businesses. They've figured out ways to monetize their name, image, and likeness and help businesses succeed. And that's been fantastic. I don't think we anticipated quite the speed of which these collectives were developed. The idea of NIL is you go out and monetize your ability to do things for others. What we've seen with the collectives is we're collecting money and then trying to find individuals to give it to, which is the absolute opposite of what it was. So it's a little bit bumpy and rocky, and the collectives do a wonderful thing for a lot of our students as well. It's just not exactly what we thought. I think one of our biggest challenges as we go forward is recruiting. You know, that's the one thing or the one of two rules, you know, it's not supposed to be recruiting inducement, but we're unclear of how we're going to try to navigate that space. We're the only sports organization in the world where the individual picks the team. Every other one, the team picks the individual through a draft, even in little league baseball or your high school that you go to. It's the community you live in. So this is unique and different. And so I think is what we have to begin to talk about is how do we try to get our arms around that, that recruiting process?
4: You talked to us back before this even started and said, this is going to happen and we need to be prepared that this is coming. What kind of things did that enable the athletic department to be prepared to do for NIL? And what kind of things have you done recently that you think will facilitate in whatever way that you can this process for for Target student-athletes?
3: I think we've done a really good job of educating our student-athletes about what those opportunities might be and trying to create opportunities for them. The, uh, the North Carolina, the exchange program we have with Influencer, which matches up companies with individual students, I think is a great one. Providing services, whether it's legal not legal advice, but pointing them in the right direction for legal advice or tax advice. We've, we've provided great service there. This whole thing about collectives, we're, we are wrestling with that because the collectives are all outside of the university. All these individual deals for students are outside the university, but those are alumni and friends of the program that want to help. And so it's, it's an arm's length relationship with friends of ours. And so how do we try to make sure that they have the information they need and they can also develop relationships with our students to provide them opportunities in this space? And so it, it's been a challenge to, to navigate that space. And what we're trying to do is communicate what we are doing. Communicate it to our students, communicate it to the public, Communicate it to the collectives and say, here's what you can and can't do, which is basically you can do whatever you want to do for our students, but let's do it in the Carolina way. Let's do something that we're comfortable with.
1: The last thing on this topic, are the students more savvy in in the marketplace at this point a year later?
3: Absolutely. You know, we have 800 student-athletes some of them are very savvy in the marketplace, some of them don't want any part of it. And so it's all across the board. So, but the ones who have gone out there and created their own deals, they've learned a ton. And so all the things about running your own business, being entrepreneurial, all those skills that we wanted them to learn, a lot of them have. And I'm delighted for those folks. Um, The rest are somewhere in the middle. And, and that's probably what we would have expected. And so, as I said, there's, there's good and bad with it. And uh, I think the, the good has outweighed the bad, but I think there's a few things we need to really look at as we move forward. The transfer portal, recruiting, we have to get our arms around that. Because right now, that is a real frustration for our coaches. And I feel badly for the coaches that spend a lot of time recruiting students and doing everything they can to get them to come and then all of a sudden they get frustrated they're not playing or there's a better deal somewhere else, and they can leave so quickly. And so we, we have to moderate that.
4: I think we could have said this exact same thing these last two summers <laughs> when we sat here. It feels like the big news in college sports this summer was some conference movement. What did you think as you saw all of that unfold, and where does Carolina stand as we look at the landscape right now?
3: Well, it, it was a little surprising two years in a row. I mean, two of the major brands in two other conferences choose to go to a different one. But what I'm really happy with, the ACC is strong. The ACC is as strong as it's ever been. I mean, we have 15 great schools, 14 that play all the sports, and then Notre Dame in with the Olympic sports in five football games a year. And we're in a great position. Now, financially, there's a gap, and we're going to do everything we can to close that gap. Our, actually, the execution of incorporating some of those new schools into new leagues I think will be a challenge for them. So I think the one thing about our league that I like the best is we're up and down the East Coast and I think that makes a lot of sense. We've, we're moderating how we're gonna change our uh, travel schedule for football, so we'll play teams more often. But I think our challenge as a league will be to continue to find ways to help ESPN and help ourselves close that revenue gap. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to do that.
1: But well, I guess that was gonna be my, my final question. I know this is the million dollar question, quite literally. How does that, what, what are some things that can be done to, to close that gap?
3: Well, I, we're, we're a relatively new network. And so if you look at the advertising on the network, I think there's ways that we can help ESPN sell more advertising. I think we can be better partners with ESPN to try to make the thing more profitable. And once you do that, then everybody's going to succeed. So we're, we're talking about ways that we can do that. Um, Whether or not we change some of the programming. You know, they have modified the programming a little bit. Are there ways for the schools to contribute more to the programming and maybe get more out of the relationship with ESPN on an individual basis? I think that's another thing we can look at. Are there games that aren't being televised that maybe they would come back to the school and we maybe be able to put on a different platform? And I think those are ways to help both ourselves and ESPN. I was trying to think about how to
4: describe what David Ruth does, today's guest, who is Carolina's vice chancellor for development. And I think, and David, you can tell us if this is wrong, you have to be one of the very few people who can walk from corner to corner of Carolina's campus and in some way think, I have done something that touched that. That must be pretty cool.
2: Actually, Adam, it's the coolest thing in the world. And I'm a kid who grew up in Guilford County, Greensboro, North Carolina, went to Page High School, came here for college. Um, I've had three kids go here, Jenny went to school here, but to be able to walk this campus now and to be able to see what has happened in this campaign is a cool thing, but also to have the privilege, honestly, of not only knowing students, student athletes, coaches, faculty, deans, and for a long time I said to the outside world, uh, listen Here's my belief. The more you know about this university, the more you know about Carolina, the better you're going to feel. So mm. I'm the luckiest guy in the world and that I get to go corner to corner and really know the academics and the athletics. And that's a pretty neat thing.
1: All right. So that title sounds super impressive. What, what does it actually mean? What, if, I'm, if I'm explaining it to my 10-year-old What does it actually mean? You get good
4: parking, don't
1: you? (laughs)
2: You Yeah. In fact, somebody said, somebody saw where I sit in the Smith Center, and
1: they said, oh, we
2: know why you wanted this. I said, you know what? There might have been an easier way to to get a decent seat in the Smith Center. But I'll tell you, my dad, God rest him, um, rest his soul, he said to me when I got this job, he said, son. I was pretty sure there'd never be anybody in the Ruth family with the the title like vice chancellor. I said, Dad, you're exactly right. That's just not our family. Um, So what it means is I'm ultimately responsible for all the fundraising that gets done corner to corner on the campus. Uh, We have 26 different fundraising teams on this campus, but Mm. they all need to act like they're one. They all actually need to function like they're one, because what we don't want is, is Two or three of our development teams who really need to go see one of our best donors, not to be coordinated uh, for the right hand, not to look like the left hand knows what it's doing, and not to be listening to that donor primarily, uh, and that great supporter who loves his place for what the donor wants to do rather than what the university wants them to do. So it's a cool job. Um, We have roughly 140 people in central development. We have 350 people across this entire campus that work in development in one way uh, shape or form, and everybody needs to act and
1: believe they're one team. Okay, if you have 26 separate development teams. Yeah. How do you how do they not compete? How do you make sure that it isn't siloed off? How do you make sure they act as one? I would think that would be incredibly Difficult because everybody believes in their project and what they are trying to no question. fundraise for.
2: No question. And every dean has the things they need to raise money for. Chancellor has things he would or she would like to raise money for. Bubba has things he needs to raise money for. So the fundraisers who work in those teams have their marching orders that they need to be able to go find the private support. All oh, that's great. One of the things we did, though, very early on when I came in the door was we created a team and a brand, if you will, Around Carolina development, campus wide, that we call One Carolina. Mm. So we, we call ourselves One Carolina. You might work for the Rams Club, but you're a part of the One Carolina team. You might work for medicine, but you're a part of the One Carolina team. We meet together, um, we strategize on things together. And so there's just an enormous amount of collaboration. And I think collaboration generally is one of the things that makes Carolina what it is. Faculty collaborate, schools and units co- collaborate. I think we have great collaboration between academics and athletics on this campus. The fundraisers needed to be as collaborative, Mm -hmm. which is not necessarily their natural stance, as the rest of the campus really is. And the cool, cool thing is I think we've changed the culture on the campus around development in that way. And people really do function as one team because everybody is here for a common purpose, and that is Carolina reaches its aspirations, regardless of what unit you're talking about.
4: When they come to you and say, we've got this new thing, it's called the Campaign for Carolina. You probably thought, oh, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. And then they said, we'd like to raise $4.25 billion with a B. What was your response to that? And how do you keep that giant number from being a daunting thing that just overwhelms every day?
2: You know, Adam, it it really is. It's almost like Monopoly money. It's bigger <laughs> than you than any of us um, have ever really been around. Certainly, bigger than I grew up with. Um, I knew when I was hired that what I needed to do was be able to form the team, set the plan, and actually we had to have a lot of input on what the plan would actually look like to be able to get into the market with a big capital campaign. We hadn't been in the market since '08, so we, there were a long there was a long period of time we were we were not in campaign mode. So I knew that was required. We went out and recruited a campaign volunteer leadership team. We had a lot of discussions around the campus. And our initial working target uh, was to have a $3.25 billion campaign. And $3.25 was a good number. Um, Virginia just closed their campaign at 3 um, UCLA was out with a goal that wasn't much bigger than that um, in their previous campaign. So, so that was a good number. The longer we planned, the better we felt about the opportunity, and the potential was there. And in the last six months before we launched publicly, we moved it from three point two five to four point two five—just a billion dollars. Um, and you know what? I will tell both of you guys—I've lost a lot of sleep over the last nine years uh, because the other thing we didn't know when we came into the when I came into the job is that we would have um, some of the challenging news stories that we had. Sure. Um, What I will tell you is this community pulled together as a community. Um, Donors were unbelievably generous. Um, They care so deeply about Carolina being able to reach its potential. And again, it's on the athletic side, academic side, every side of the campus. So the community just never quit on this campaign. And it was a cool thing. To actually be able to reach that four point two five billion dollar goal a year early, I bet it was. Yeah, (laughs) and I I still didn't sleep any better uh, because I'm always worried about something. But it it was a cool thing to sit in this
1: chair and watch it. What happens if you don't get it? Like, what if I started the Jones campaign? I said I want a billion (laughs) dollars. I got like a hundred dollars. Like, what happens? No. Like, what happens uh, if you don't get it,
2: Jones? uh, You'd be you'd have a new vice chancellor for development. (laughs) Be the first thing. And, you know, that would have been okay. Uh, But, you know, what everybody who was invested in this campaign wanted to see was not only Carolina do well, but for Carolina to crush it. Mm. And for Carolina to have such a good uh, campaign that it added to the reputation of the university. And that's what's happened.
1: So, okay. What makes a good fundraiser? And how did at some point you realize, you know what, this is something that I've I'm pretty skilled in like that I that I feel comfortable doing
2: a couple of things and it, it might not be what people would expect me to say mm-hmm. um, but I actually believe sometimes people think it's the way you ask it's how clever you are you out twisting arms you out slapping backs I actually think it's none of that I really really believe and I think our fundraisers on this campus believe to be a good fundraiser you need to be a good listener if we don't listen to what our great volunteers and donors actually want to do with their gifts we're going to miss the opportunity for the gift that's magic so the very first thing we have to do is listen second thing we have to do and i really believe this um we don't ask and we don't ask again and again without trying to really be of service to that person that donor that volunteer who cares so deeply about carolina so Hmm. in my opinion you you listen You shape something that a donor loves and is so excited to give to. You then thank, and you serve, and you serve, and you serve, and you serve, and you you earn the right to go back and ask again. And hopefully you've been able to demonstrate that that money that they gave created an impact beyond their belief, and they're crazy happy with uh, the gift that they made to Carolina. So I believe it's listening and service that are the two most important things. And I will say... We have a culture and a team, from the Rams Club to medicine to business to the college, that really uh, is serious about that service.
1: When did you? So, when was this something that you realized that that you could do and that you were good at? Um, Jones, my entire
2: career has been in some sort of client relationship kind of role, mm-hmm. uh, often with a sales focus, um, but but taking care of people, families. Um, and ultimately meeting some revenue goals that the company that I worked for had for me. And um, so that's what I've done all my life. What, what I didn't know is stepping over to this side, would it be almost the same or exactly the same? Mm-hmm. I'd say it's exactly the same. It, the, the, the jobs I did in the private sector uh, are just remarkably similar to the job I was asked to do here. The difference is, is a huge difference. This job has a mission component to it. It is so powerful Hmm. if you think about what we do on the medicine side with patients with cancer patients and that's been an area that's touched my family deeply um, but all kinds of medicine and patients if you think about the joy that we bring to our fans and I've been a fan since I was 10 years old Um, my very first exposure to Carolina was at Dean Smith's basketball camp um, staying at Granville Towers I have loved the university and the athletics program since, since I was a young kid but this has a mission focus, and that makes it so very, very different. And I'd say we have a lot of people who work on this development team who work so hard, they act like they own a piece of the place, but it's because they're so invested uh, in the mission of, mm. of what a great public university can be and can do.
4: How many people approximately are represented by that $4.25 billion Great dollars? question. I was hoping we get to talk about that. We've had
2: 226,000 individual donors to this campaign that make up the $4.25 billion. And I'm a numbers guy, I kind of geek out on some of this stuff, but of that 226,000, this is pretty cool. 90% of those gifts are $1,000 or less. So we have had remarkable breadth with a lot of gifts that aren't a lot of gifts, that aren't that large at all. Everybody can participate. Almost 11,000 faculty and staff made a gift to this campaign. Almost 14,000 parents while their child was in school at Carolina made a gift to this campaign. So it's pretty powerful. On the upper end, so we talked about 90% of the gifts, less than 1,000. We've had 700 gifts of a million dollars or more Mm. in this campaign. If you think about that, it's not 100, it's not 50, it's not 200, 700 gifts of a million dollars or more. 70 gifts of 10 million dollars or more and you know you you have to be really connected, really care about the future of a great public university like this to part with a million to part with 10 million um, you really you really love it and that is
1: what we have at Carolina. This may be a dumb question. How do you ask somebody for 10 million dollars like I mean I mean like I get. I, it, Jones, give me $10 million. <laughs> yeah. Just like that. It's very easy. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, but my answer would be easy too. So, like, <laughs> h- how do you ask it? How does that even, that's such a large number. How do no, you even do that?
2: There were so many of us who would say, Jones, how in the world do you make that call at the end of the game when we're winning a national championship? And, and you do that because that's what you do. Uh, you know, I would say with a $10 million gift, there's an enormous amount of listening, enormous amount of preparation to put a plan in front of a donor of this is what $10 million could do and paint a vision. And in most cases, that $10 million donor has given $500,000 in the past sure. and a million and then $3 million. And they have convinced themselves, and we've helped them get there, that this is the best place they could invest that money uh, of anywhere they might put it. Every family in the world is going to take care of their family first. So take care of husband and wife first, take care of their kids, take care of their grandkids. But, you know, the truth is there's been a lot of money made in this world. And once you (laughs) get past the ability to take care of you and your family and your kids and grandkids, um, you're pretty much either going to give it to the federal government or the state government in taxes. And taxes do some good things, but not many people love to pay taxes. Uh, Or you're going to do something that you believe is your legacy in the world, and so many people have, have believed this place gave them their launch to hmm. a career and a life and a community that their lives wouldn't be the same without it, that they believe a $10 million gift, a $50 million gift, a $100 million gift is worth what they've gotten from Carolina. And I, I will tell you this, Fred Eshman, when he gave the $100 million gift, I mean, that's a staggering <laughs> gift. But Fred put a stake in the ground right then and said, "This, I believe this flagship university is the most important economic engine in the state of North Carolina. I believe in the state of North Carolina. I believe if the state is going to be what it's going to be, Carolina's got to be excellent in all these different ways. And so everybody has their own modification or version of that legacy dream that they have. But the reason people do that is they believe this is a great investment and it's a part of their
1: legacy. How much prep work goes into to that presentation
2: you know Jones, it can be years, literally it can be years uh, and in many many cases, these are um families and people who have volunteered and led boards and led led different groups around led led the Rams club or led led the college or led boards at the business school who are so invested already that the preparation really went on for decades um and you know what you can screw something up early. And not get a donor back for a really long time, and that's why this is careful work, sensitive work. But w- once you get to the idea itself, you've listened, and it might take it might take three or four months to shape the pro- proposal, uh, get agreement from all the internal audiences about what we're going to say, we're going to do, uh, go present the proposal, get all the content experts ready uh, to talk about it, and then for both of you, I would say the thing that I worry about the most is do we execute after the gift if we've told them we can do this with 10 million dollars uh, have we done it and if we've exceeded expectations that is the best way to be able to earn the right to go back and say gosh that 10 million dollars worked so well even better than what we thought we could do and promise you uh let's talk again and honestly again there are, there are there's just been a lot of money made in this country so this, this is the greatest country in the world to be able to do the work that we do.
4: (laughs) As you said, you can turn somebody off for a long time in a very small amount of time. How long does it take you to figure out, Okay, I think I now understand what this person's turn off is, but also what really makes them what motivates them? How long does that take?
2: Um, It can take decades. It can take Hmm. minutes. and you're right. I mean, it's a little bit like you add to a bank account slowly. You can waste a bank you can wake up waste a bank account of emotional credits, if you will, investment credits from from a donor really, really quickly by doing something stupid. Um, I will say this: um, all of us who are in these jobs, though, realize we're stewards for a period of time of one of the greatest. Things in the world that mean so much to all of us. So you're really careful about what you do. I've been I've been in this job nine years, and I've felt every minute of it like I'm a steward. So you don't want it to screw up. You don't want it. You don't want to make a bad move with your best, most loyal donor that would call, cause that donor to go away for years on your watch. And there's that feeling of, on our watch, we want to do it right. But you can do it quickly. And you know what? I'll tell you this too. One of the Harder things at Carolina has just been, um, you know, it's been, it's gotten so difficult for kids to get in, grandkids to get in. There are a lot of donors who would love to see their kids and grandkids be able to go to Carolina, and that doesn't always work out that that well. We now have sixty thousand applications for forty five hundred slots. <laughs> Managing the disappointment and heartbreak, um, there is something that actually can. Uh, cause a relationship to to be rocky for a little bit.
4: I a million percent believe that because that's right in my wheelhouse right now. (laughs) So I I can't imagine how many calls you get from people who say, I'm really excited about this gift. By the way, Johnny's application's (laughs) going in the old email box tomorrow. So how do you you handle that?
2: You know, at Carolina we handle it um, very carefully, um, respecting the investment that that family's made in Carolina forever. Um, one of the things I, I believe, I, we, we don't control and we shouldn't control admissions decisions, and let's be clear on that, we don't. The admissions team makes that decision. The chancellor doesn't make that decision. Um, but um, I believe we can control how people are treated, uh, the kind of hospitality they're shown. I believe if somebody wants to come visit this campus from anywhere, from Burlington or from Manhattan Beach, uh, we can control them having the best experience they can possibly imagine. The hospitality should be second to none. The way we communicate about what the process is, what it looks like, how long it's going to be, it could be disappointing. How we communicate, we can control. And so we've done done about as good a job as I think you can do, trying to control um, all of that with good communication and good hospitality. But let me tell you, um, compared to when I got in Carolina, this is a different school to get into. Um, And that's real. It's painful.
4: (laughs) Are you concerned about what that means development-wise in the future? You know, Adam,
2: um, generally speaking, people are disappointed for a period. Um, They then see their child or grandchild have an extraordinary experience wherever they've gone and love the place that they've gone. Uh, We also um, have a real... Um, intentional program to help students who really want to be Tar Heels eventually transfer here. Um, mm-hmm. And the first year application process is so brutal. That's the toughest piece. Uh, transferring to Carolina is much more manageable and we talk about that a lot. And in many cases, the, the young student goes wherever they want to go and they love it and they're embedded and they're, they love being exactly there. And as a parent, that's what I'd want. As a grandparent, that's what I would want. Uh, In other situations, they go somewhere and they say, gosh, I'm really as clear as ever that I'd like to transfer to Carolina. So we work on that,
1: too. I'm sure other people have said it. The first person I heard say it was Dick Bedore of saying that athletics is the front porch of a university. What role does athletics play in your business, even if the person isn't necessarily giving towards athletics? So happy we can talk about this.
2: A lot of our donors um, actually give to athletics and academics. And so at Carolina, it is not unusual for someone to have three or four or five different interests. And they might have one or two interests on the uh, athletic side. They might have a medicine interest. They might have an interest in academia, something that they're connected to. They might love to support students. So um, it is very common that we have donors on both sides. Um, And, you know, what I will tell you is my job. John Montgomery's job, uh, the head of the business school development, Chantel Grumhouse's job, is a whole lot more fun when people are happy. <laughs> and there's nothing that makes people happier than, than, than not only success, but I think Carolina people go into overdrive when we've had success and we've done it the right way. And that's the way we believe everything should be done. And And I'll, I'll say, you know, this spring was a heck of a spring. Uh, there was a lot of joy uh, over the team, the the run the baseball team had, uh, Jenny Levy's national championship, that was amazing, the men's basketball run. um, I've never seen joy in my life like we had in New Orleans Mm -hmm. on Saturday night. And let me tell you what, all of Carolina Nation lost its mind together uh, in that place, and we're hugging (laughs) each other. And, and, you know, if I was coronavirus, COVID-19, that's exactly where I would have (laughs) been in that building that night. But let me tell you, Guys, I've never seen such joy. Yeah. So let me tell you, when, when, when people are that happy about anything, it makes our job easier. Quite frankly, the thing that people tend to get that happy about, because we have it, we, we have an embarrassment of riches. We, we have so much good success because our teams are so good and they work so hard. But we get to enjoy that a lot. So, And, you know, I, I said uh, before, um, my introduction— to Carolina was as a 10-year-old in Dean Smith's basketball camp. Um, my first giving at Carolina, um, John Montgomery closed the first gift with me. I wanted to be a scholarship donor um, in athletics. So I've always loved the athletic side of what we do. Kevin Gostkowitz, um is a tremendous fan of what we do. Carol Fult was too. I've worked for two chancellors that have been extraordinary athletics fans and appreciative of of how successful we are but the way we do it
4: what was that 10 year olds first awareness of the tar heels being something that he was interested in and then what are your favorite sports memories from your time here as an undergrad um you know
2: not too many people know this, but I, I grew up and before the age of 10, I was a Vic Bubas fan. Mm. I thought mm. Duke was pretty good. I mean, it was, you know, it's a little embarrassing to talk about. It happened um, to
4: Leaky Black too, and he outgrew um, it just and like so, you did. But
2: let me tell you what, when Larry Miller came here and when Charlie Scott came here, um, it blew my mind. And I lived and breathed Carolina basketball every minute. Um, so great memories there. Um, when I was here, in fact, when I was first named in this job the news and observer wanted to do an interview and i said gosh i'm happy to and i said six or eight things the only thing they printed i think was i graduated in 1982 the year michael hit the shot and that's that's the line they printed the year michael hit the shot
4: well at least they printed what you actually <laughs> said that was a big improvement That's huge <laughs> yeah
2: um but you know guys um i remember being on franklin street that night i still have the my red Letterman's jacket from Page High School that I had on that night that got blue paint blue on, there. Paint on yeah.
1: it And <laughs> I'll, heard. I'll never throw it away.
2: <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's when we were students. It's um, and and I will say this too: we were lucky enough to have three daughters who came to school here, and seeing it through their eyes is pretty amazing. Our oldest daughter came in 01. so a really tough basketball year. But by the time she graduated, we had a national championship. Um, so. You know, there's almost not an era of Carolina people who haven't had that kind of joy.
1: What's your biggest, like, ace of spades that when it's, like, closing or not closing time, David Rue's throwing this on the table? Um, I would say enthusiasm
2: <laughs> and belief in the aspirations of what this place is. And, I, and I'll tell you guys... It, I, with with i could have gone to a different school there were two schools one in, both in north carolina that i was I, I was down to had i not chosen carolina i think my life would have been dramatically different so i know that i feel that uh, i've seen it i've seen people who have been ceos of fortune 50 and fortune 100 companies who think that was pretty cool but who would say that it was Carolina and the experience at Carolina and this community that we have together um, that launched them and that they feel the most obligated to repay. So it's, it's just a powerful thing. It's, it's a very powerful thing.
4: I honestly can't imagine this happening, but the odds tell me it has to have at some point. What happens when you don't connect with somebody? It can't happen.
2: Um, it does happen. Um, sure, it's happened. You could probably talk to them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was about to, give us a list of these <laughs> yeah. people so we can tell them we don't like them uh, very much. <laughs> you know, um,
2: I, I, this is a little bit of a related story, but we have a brand new dean in the College of Arts and Sciences, Jim White. He's a great guy, and he had gone down to Figure Eight and been hosted by some alums, some great alums, great friends of Carolina down there about a month ago, and. I just went up to him at our senior leaders retreat yesterday and I said, Jim, I heard great things about your, your time at Figure 8. He said, well, you know, it was a pretty warm crowd. I said, Jim, most of the crowds at Carolina that we encounter are warm crowds. You know, I think at other places there's, there's more frustration, there's more angst, there's less love. And at Carolina, it's just a pretty warm crowd. So it's kind of hard to walk in and have some updates on the campus to be able to tell people what's going on, what the chancellor is working on these days, and have them say, oh, I really don't want to see you. I don't care. Nobody doesn't care in this community. And and that is from, again, corporate CEOs to um, people who have a lot of things going on, but they always take the call on a Carolina visit. So I, it, it's as a sales guy, I've had a lot of people that I didn't connect with, and a lot of people told me no. Uh, this is the warmest um, kind of job if you're doing a relationship management and a business development job you could ever dream of.
1: Texting while driving takes your eyes off the road for about five seconds. And at highway speeds, that's like driving the length of a football field with your eyes. Closed. Trusted Choice Independent Insurance Agents of North Carolina want you to stay safe behind the wheel. Put down that phone while you're driving. Let's have a hands-free NC. To learn more and find an agent near you, visit trustedchoice.com/slash go heels. And by the way, five second challenge back next week. So we'll be five second challenging it next Friday. So go ahead and get your mind limbered up and ready to go for some tar heel trivia.
4: Am I to be the asker or the receiver on that one? Just because I like to prepare a
1: week in advance. Uh, I don't know. What should we do? I, I mean, I'm... I don't have a coin. Normally, we flip a coin, but I don't have one. No. Okay. Uh, TBD. Yeah, we'll figure that out. Yeah, don't worry. Probably, probably I'll ask the question. It depends
4: on if I resolve the potty statue. Yeah,
1: that's right. You got a lot of things on your plate already, sir. Okay. Let's do our quick Champions Watch, Adam, brought to you by UNC Health, dedicated to caring for champions of all kinds, help keep you in the game, and at your very best. Their lineup, unchealthcare.org slash sports, unchealthcare.org slash sports. Adam, still slowly getting toward, we still have some exhibitions going on, but also a couple regular season matchups other than just football on the way.
4: Yeah, some Tar Heel teams that are going to be strong this fall, finishing up exhibition competition. Men's soccer's got one Friday up at James Madison. Volleyball's got one Saturday against High Point. Field hockey goes to Duke to show Duke what's up on Saturday. But then on Sunday, an actual, this is for real, it counts in the record, Tar Heel sporting event. One o'clock Sunday, women's soccer taking on UNC Wilmington. You can go to Dorrance Field. Every time I go to Doran's Field, I'm reminded of how nice it is.
1: They really they really did a good job.
4: That is a nice place to watch yeah. a game. Uh, so you can go and you can enjoy that excellent facility, or you can watch it on ACC Network Extra. Again, 1 o'clock, Tar Heels,
1: Seahawks. And that will be the second regular season game for women's soccer. They started last night uh, at the point of recording, we don't know, but they faced Tennessee for the season opener for them. So that UNC W game, actually the second game of the regular season, for Anson Dorrance's squad. They had two convincing exhibition wins over VCU and then a really good BYU team that the Tar Heels, I believe it was 2-0 that the Tar Heels won in that one. So uh, it's about time to make it happen. Looking forward to all these sports getting started around campus. All right, let's get to Adam's List. <laughs> What's on the top of Adam's, <laughs> Adam's List? Brought to you by Top of the Hill, where Tar Heels come to celebrate.
4: Let's do that. Uh, Wanted to mention that coming up, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. Next Sunday. The dribble for victory over cancer. You're probably familiar with the fast break break breakfast that had a very long and very successful run that I believe may have come to an end now. This is a new version of that. It's a way for multiple teams across campus to raise money uh, to fight cancer and help out various cancer-fighting organizations. Uh, the men's basketball team's involved. Women's basketball's involved. I think both lacrosse's are involved. A lot of Tar Heel teams involved. They're going to dribble a mile through campus
1: Trust me, I know all the perils of that. I, yeah,
4: Jones, are you? I, I, they should train. It's really, with Kia, a natural
1: really. partnership. They should have reached out to me. Yeah,
4: maybe you could do an NIL deal with mm. all those players. That sounds good. Those are always easy to do. Yep. Um, so, just wanted to make people aware of that there's more information on goheels.com about how you can get involved with sponsoring that or being part of it. You can go out there, chance to see all your favorite Tar Heels. Um, so, a great thing to do early in the season. Um hey, a vacation from life. Mm. I thought this was an isolated incident, but I'm starting to think it might be organization-wide. I recently stopped at one of our good friends' cookout.
1: Oh, yeah, cookout uh back as a partner with tutorials this year the cookout i first went to was in
4: greensboro and this was a couple months ago and i got the pod shake of course because that's what you do right chocolate with double oreo and they gave me this incredibly large straw not just a normal cookout straw but a granddaddy straw really it's a it's a struggle jones to get that oreo up in a regular size shake
1: Absolutely regular size straw absolutely yeah, yeah. it is
4: but with this new double maybe triple diameter straw and made of more solid materials hmm. probably it's possible it might not be great for the oceans <laughs> or whatever but great for getting the oreo up the straw so i thought this was an isolated incident and only this one greensboro cookout had seen the light And understood that this was a big product improvement. Yep. Well, just a couple days ago, I went to one more local to us. They, too, had the big straws. This is a total vacation from life. Complete game changer on the how you enjoy your shake experience. Yep. Now, the first straw they gave me was the regular straw.
1: Oh, did you ask for a bigger straw?
4: I asked for two straws. Because I was sharing the pod shake with someone.
1: Oh, it was like you're at. It was Jones and we symptoms. It was like like we were at a soda fountain. (laughs) And uh, some doo wop music was playing (laughs) in the background. Jones had on Bobby Socks. (laughs) And then the uh, pink ladies and the (laughs) T Birds showed up. The second straw of the game. Pour one out. Hey, Uh, that's right. I got to tell you, that made me sad. I. I had no
4: idea that Olivia Newton-John was old.
1: Well, I think she was sick, right? I, I believe she had cancer, I believe. That's May- why you should go to the dribble for victory over yeah, cancer. I mean, it, it made me sad. Honestly, I was like, I agree. you know how sometimes you, when if you hear about somebody getting sick or passing away, like it's never good, but sometimes there's ones that hit you a little bit harder, like right. like Patrick Swayze for whatever reason, right. several years ago. Yeah. Livy Newton-John just hit me a little harder than I expected. I agree. I'm sorry. I hijacked your uh, story. That's not really a vacation from life.
4: That's kind of the opposite, (laughs) honestly. Yeah. So the second straw they gave me was the XL straw. Mm. So I think if you'll ask, I think they may give you the granddaddy of them all to enjoy your pod shake. The Rose
1: Bowl of straws.
4: Uh, The the sunset will immediately occur right outside your window at the exact right time, golden hour. So
1: just keep that in mind. When you get the Pac-12 and Big Ten matchup of San Diego State versus Rutgers in the Rose Bowl.
4: Just keep that in mind next time you go through the drive-thru. And keep also in mind there's going to be one in Chapel Hill very soon.
1: Do you know the progress of that one? I've driven by it. Every time I think about it, I think next time I'm driving by, I need to look, and then I forget to look. Oh, I look. I look real good, James.
4: <laughs> We've got up the sign at the drive-through. We don't have up the menu yet, which I feel like we're going to need. Uh, but a lot of the signage is up, and it looks like they're doing some interior work to get ready to produce all those fine products.
1: Proud partner of the Tarheels.
4: I would estimate. I think it's going to be ready to go before basketball season. That's what I, that. Absolutely no facts to that whatsoever. Just my keen eye for construction.
1: Hmm. Are you factoring in supply chain? struggles
4: uh no i'm running microchips i'm running under a best case scenario okay all right where the way i live my life yeah several things on the list that we now can't talk about Mm. um
1: that's a shame
4: yeah did want to mention uh this story which cougar 72 sent so one of jones's people um (laughs) You probably remember our local news from last show about the uh, rampant proliferation of rays jumping into boats. It turns out that's not an isolated incident, gents. This comes to us from WKRG. In Dauphine Island, Alabama? Dauphin Island, Alabama? I'm not sure. It's not spelled like Flipper. It's D-A-U-P-H-I-N. How do you say that? You know your Alabama geography.
1: All right, keep going out
4: it. Okay, it's from Alabama. WKRG. A lackluster day of fishing for a Sarah Land woman turns into an adventure for her whole family. This sounds like a movie preview. After a giant eagle ray jumped into their boat Saturday afternoon and sent her to the hospital. These eagle rays are out for blood. Yeah. According to April Jones, quote, it hit the right side of the body. And I I guess she speaks about herself in the third person and pretty much had to go to the emergency room. That's what April Jones said, talking about April Jones. So she, quote, pretty much had to go to the emergency room. She's not 100% sure that she definitely did, but she thinks she pretty much did.
1: It was somewhere like an emergency room.
4: She's okay after a shoulder sprain, but an unnerving start.
1: Wait, is she still talking about herself, or was that the article? That was the article,
4: but now here comes some more April Jones. Oh, no, sorry. This is husband, Jeremy Jones.
1: You're nailing this, Adam.
4: (laughs) Says Jeremy, quote, she starts screaming. I hear stuff breaking and flopping. My grandpa falls into me. I look back. This ray is laying in the back of the boat what a day on the water for the jones family
1: i find it interesting that there have been grandpas involved in both of these ray attacks maybe these rays are aegis yeah
4: what uh back to the story what initially started as a scary encounter quickly turned into a sense of wonder as they tried to learn all they could about this majestic creature I imagine Jeremy being like, well, April, I think you're pretty much going to have to go to the emergency room. But in the meantime, let's look this up on Wikipedia. Yeah,
1: but first, let's see if we can uh, learn a little bit about this wonder of nature.
4: Let's go to Marcus Dryman with Mississippi State University. Marcus, thanks, Adam. Quote, we have an extraordinary diversity of fishes here in the north central Gulf of Mexico, and it's a rare and exciting opportunity. Of fishes? Shouldn't it just be fish? Fish. Uh, do you want me to get
1: Marcus's should, number? I mean, shouldn't it just be diversity of fish? That's what I would say. I don't think fishes is a word, uh, unless you're like Jones fishes on Saturday. But Jones doesn't have four fishes on his plate. I went out and caught two <laughs> fishes.
4: Ma, cook them up for dinner. <laughs> Look, all I know is what Marcus said, which is that the spotted eagle ray isn't endangered, but it's rare for these waters. After the shock of getting socked by a fish, they believe to weigh... 400 pounds they changed course for the sea lab and got some help to get the eagle ray back into the water now the last word on this uh deservedly goes to the couple's eight-year-old son jones any guesses on his name cody gunner that's close here's what gunner says quote when we got it out of the boat i wasn't as scared it was kind of cool that's how gunner is
1: if you're curious, Adam, if there are spotted eagle ray ornaments that we can get for our <laughs> Christmas tree that's coming soon, the answer is yes. So,
4: again, if, you're, if you've got plans to be out on the water anytime soon, and especially if you're going to take your grandpa with you, you need to be on the lookout for these rays. Uh, we also got this email from Ken Lawson. Uh, this uh, And really, we got it from several people. The, the most recent one was Ken Lawson. This story from WRAL that really hits close to Jones's heart. There's a recent lawsuit that claims Skittles are, quote,
1: unfit for human consumption. Okay, I saw this. And tell me if I have this correct. Mm. The part in question is the actual material that makes the letter S on the Skittle. So whatever the. The. Whatever it is. The powdered whatever. That makes the S. On the actual individual Skittle candy. Is the part that they think may do harm. However. For it to actually. Cause harm. You would have to eat. Some comical. Amount of Skittles. At one time. For this substance to be harmful do i have all that correct
4: there's a lot of science words in this (laughs) article that i'm not completely sure of the problem seems to be titanium dioxide i think basically what you said is correct but it seems like it still might be a good idea to go ahead and take that out of the skittles and when you referenced a comical amount my eyes couldn't help but be drawn to the shelf on which We do, in fact, have a comical amount of Skittles right here in the room with
1: us. Well, it's not like we're going to eat all those at one time.
4: I mean, some of these later basketball games, Jones, I get a little hungry.
1: I do think when people come in and look around at the stuff in Pod World Headquarters, traditionally the two they ask the most about are the Skittles and the Wrap Snacks. Those (laughs) are the two that people ask me the most about. Well. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Yeah.
4: Um... The only other thing on the list is our now uh, resolved, how can you justify
1: that? How can you possibly justify that? Brought to you by our friends at Crumley Roberts. We stand up for you and proud partner of Carolina Athletics. I
4: don't know if we've talked about this on air, but Jones and I have definitely talked about it off air. How silly it was that certain women's basketball ACC tournament games and baseball ACC tournament games didn't air on the ACC network.
1: Yeah, like That seems to be the primary place they should be airing. It just makes it
4: too much of a challenge for your fans to find the games. Like they have to go look on a channel that's not the ACC network for the ACC tournament or really any of the ESPN family of networks. That's very confusing. Well, Jim Phillips is listening to your concerns and is resolving all the big issues in the world today, including this one. And so according to Sports Business Journal, uh, all future women's basketball and baseball ACC tournament games will appear on the at least the ACC network. You'll no longer have to look on Bally Sports or whatever your RSN was to try and figure out where those games are. They're all going to be on the ACC network. And Jim Phillips actually did have a quote in that story saying that this was an important thing for the fans that he wanted to do to just make it easier to watch ACC games,
1: which that's right. Still one more topic to address here on the show, but before we do that, just your volume.
0: It's time for an ad. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on auto trader. Just you wait. Auto trader.
1: So in our interview with Bubba Cunningham that we ran a little bit earlier and that Adam and I conducted on uh for part of the video pod earlier this week. And again, we expect to get back to full video pod schedule either this upcoming week or the next one where we'll have a weekend recap and an interview and then a, a social drive. So that's coming soon. Uh, this week, we just had the interview. And he talked about, Adam, I think the importance of the ACC network as far as helping close the revenue gap. And we've talked about this a bunch. I mean, not this specific issue, but just the revenue gap in, in general. And a couple things. I think it's an interesting dynamic in the fact That these schools in the ACC are making more money than ever before, but still are so far behind and will continue to get behind SEC Big Ten. We know this. This has been such a major story for the last two years or so. But Bubba talked about the importance of the ACC network, of the programming, of the advertising. Now, is that going to make up $40 million? I would severely doubt that. But I do think it is an area that can be – an avenue that can be explored by the league and improved. And so I was I was glad to hear that. I don't know exactly what that looks like moving forward. But I do think that is an available avenue that should be improved in that regard. Because, look, I mean, we can joke all we want about Ultimate Irish Peeler and the tactical glasses – and the whatever else, but it's got to be better than that, right? I mean, it, it just needs to be. And so that will be something, I think, to keep your eye on in the future that could be an easy way to see if some of that progress is being made. I do think the addition of Comcast is going to be a big deal. Remember, this was a big deal a year or so ago. About finally adding Comcast, which I think is the largest cable distributor in the U.S. or if not close, uh, adding Comcast to the ACC network deal will help. And so, be interesting to see how that plays out.
4: You've got the distribution. Now you need to figure out how to maximize that distribution, and that might mean the ACC selling things in a way they haven't before. But that uh, there was some article I think might have been in the Athletic recently that Kentucky made. 75 million more than carolina over a period i think of five
1: years and that's just not sustainable i think that was a i think that was wral i think okay that very well because they because they had nc state compared to some minnesota i think they had those two compared in the article as well
4: all these comparisons sound right yeah um how 75 million dollars is a lot of dollars right so, if you have this tool to use to perhaps generate some revenue, you got to figure out a way to get the most out of it. And that's why Jones, I mean, uh, Bubba suggested Jones and Adam in the afternoons on the ACC right. Network. Yeah, who doesn't want that? Boom, $75 million right there.
1: What do you think is, and not that you nor I are going to answer this question right now, but what do you think is the answer as far as the programming? Avail- I mean, I don't understand if there is a game occurring... And I, and I understand that sometimes there's going to be multiple games occurring. If there's ever a game occurring, I feel like it should be on on, that network. Like, no matter what it is. If it's 5 o'clock on a Tuesday and BC is playing field hockey or something, it should be on there, I feel like. and And I'm not saying – I mean, to me, I think that's your greatest asset is the games. And that's not to say you can't do great documentaries and – have Packer in the afternoon or whatever they're going to do, but the games, to me, are the biggest value. You
4: know more than I do about this. Does it cost more to produce a game than it does to produce the class that saved Coach K?
1: Well, I think now that they are going to rely – I mean, not this has been the case the whole time. They rely so heavily on the individual schools to produce these games. Right which I do think puts a lot of pressure on the schools. And I will say, I've said this about Carolina, and I, I know I'm not directly answering your question, because I, my guess is the answer is that it's cheaper to do a game. That's what I would think. Especially under these circumstances. Now, I don't know that for 100% fact, but just that would be my assumption. And so I don't, I don't think every school in the league has done as good a job as I do think Carolina does and some other schools have done with their capability of producing a really good-looking TV broadcast. And so I can understand some hesitation there because I do think you don't want to put something on your channel that looks less than professional. I totally get that. But I think that is something that can be explored I don't know how you dictate that to schools but I think that's an area that could be valuable I mean don't you th- if if there's a game being played don't you think it should be on there
4: well and I would even take it one step further I think the game should be put into different windows I mean all the games shouldn't be happening at seven o'clock on a Thursday right. if I'm willing to put you on the ACC network but you have to play at two on Thursday you should play at two on Thursday and get your game on. And I also think, if I'm the ACC network, I go to these other schools and I say, look, for example, not just because it's here, Carolina's doing a great job with these broadcasts. We're getting ready to air a whole bunch more Carolina games. So if you'd like to be on as much as them, you need to raise your level to their level. Because if you watch a lot of ACC baseball, you see this firsthand. The product varies wildly. You can't put some of what's being streamed on ACC or ESPN plus or whatever you can't put that on the ACC network but if you tell them we're getting ready to give Carolina a huge competitive advantage they do a great job we're airing 20 of their games they'll suddenly figure out a way to do it better right and they'll spend the money to make it better it's it's really weird to me that uh they just put out their fall schedule for the ACC network Carolina field hockey is only on there twice
1: I thought that was strange as well Uh,
4: that's the premier program in the country yeah More games than not should be on there. And that doesn't mean you have to air less of Boston College or whatever. But find a way to get Carolina on there. If they got to play at 3 in the afternoon, play at 3 in the afternoon. But there's no way you should come out with a fall schedule that has Carolina field hockey on there only two times. With the best player in the sport.
1: And I also don't understand. And I get, you know, you're you're probably not going to be playing a game at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. I understand that. Why not? Huh? Hey, but it has to be more valuable than a replay of something. The,
4: of the, the Virginia spring football game. Right, it just has to be. And I know there's there's talent issues, and oh, we can't get the talent to the site. We have established they don't have to be at the site. Right. For, for some of these, they don't have to be. I, the chances that I'm going to turn on the ACC network and watch a replay of the Virginia spring game are zero. But if you tell me that, more often than not, there will be a live game of some sort on there. Even if you just kind of have it on. I-, I will turn it on.
1: Right? Even if yes. you're not enraptured by what's happening. Yes. You you may
4: still have it on. We don't have the ACC network on in here right now. Right. But if there was some game from somewhere on there, we probably would. Just because that's what you do.
1: Ah, well, Jim Phillips, we got to figure it out. Yeah. At- so you took probably the first hadn't step. been suggested but <laughs> we got it
4: you took the first step we brought it home look are there potentially some variables in here that we possibly don't understand nah,
1: that doesn't seem right it seems
4: unlikely i'm sure Wes durham's listening he can probably fill us in on some of this but i
1: look west jones, Dur- i actually i just missed a call from west i think he's, he he's, heard he's, us right he's now. listening to us
4: right now west we'll get back to you <laughs> I, I think we made some good points jones yeah i think someone needs to follow up on these
1: okay Adam, what else we got? Anything? No. Okay, we're back next week. Double, we're we're in it. Tuesday, Friday. We're finally gonna get Adam to do this Tuesday, Friday next week
4: for at least a week or so.
1: Plus, we've got Mac Brown live on Monday, so I mean it's go time. Mm. We are uh, we are in it to win it. So Mac Brown live on Monday. That will be in your feed either Monday night or Tuesday morning. I think at this point we have it down where it pretty much comes out within the hour after the show is over. So that's 7 o'clock on Monday night when we go live. Adam and I will be back next Tuesday and Friday uh, setting you up for Carolina and Florida A&M. Have have an interesting guest coming up as well that uh, Adam and I spoke to a couple days ago, so looking forward to you hearing that and a lot more. But for now. We're going to let Bubba Cunningham and David Ruth and, of course, the RZA get us out of here on the latest edition of the Carolina Insider.
3: Hi, it's Bubba Cunningham, and I can just
2: say, see you later, Big Grits. I'm David Ruth. I'm a Tar Heel, and see you later, Big Grits.
4: When I was small, we had nothing at
0: A of sugar in a stick of margin. A hot pot of grits kept my family from starving Steamy hot meal served less than five minutes Big silver pot boiling water salt in it House full of brothers and sisters, the pot's missing Pilgrim on a box on the stove in the kitchen When I was small We
4: had nothing at all A little bit great. The
1: preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Tar Heel Sports Network.
2: Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25%
1: with Allstate.